More news than Walter Cronkite. Today on The Grid. The Grid. A digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. My dad always says that freedom is not passed on through DNA, but rather it must be fought for and protected by every generation. That is why it is never too early to be involved in faith, politics, and commerce. I'm only 14 years old, and I'm already a Kingdom Patriot. You should be too. Join the fight for faith and freedom. Go to kingdompatriot.us today. Today, I would like to welcome Clay Carroll and Sean Griffin. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us today on The Grid. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going? So glad to have you guys. Now, as I speak to audience folks, normally I welcome you to the news and review segment first to open our podcast. But this week, the news and review is the podcast. I cannot remember a week in which there has been more relevant news stories to hit the wire than we have this past week. After approximately 20, 21 different stories, I finally just had to cut off the news pipeline just to be respectful of your time. So, Sean, Clay, I, I divided the stories up into our faith, politics, and commerce segments because that's kind of how we approach things here at the Kingdom Patriot Group. But as we roll these out, I thought we were going to do it in reverse today. That's the approach I would like to, uh, to take. So let's jump into the commerce segment. What stories in the news have huge commerce implications. Well, the first one that I want to talk about is Musk, Elon Musk, and Twitter, because it is back in the news. And according to the media, the deal is back on and people are freaking out, especially the liberals. Clay, why is that? Well, Elon Musk, he loves to have freedom of speech no matter what. He's a very strong advocate of freedom of speech. Absolutely. Sean, is this good or bad for conservatives? I think it's going to be excellent for conservatives, but you've got to keep in mind that the wicked are going to say anything, that the wicked are going to say anything to destroy anyone who threatens their worldview. Agreed. More to come on this story, and I'm not sure how the lawsuit impacts it, but it appears that the deal is back on, and I think this is a positive step in the right direction. You know, in another commerce news, which you could almost say this is political, which is what you see with faith, politics, and commerce, you see a lot of overlap. I read this week that uh, an election software CEO with a company based here in Lansing, Michigan, was actually arrested for data theft and storing data in China. And it really had, it was related to elections in Los Angeles. And it wasn't actually involving the voter machines themselves. It was more tracking software for employees and pollsters and things like that. But I thought this stuff wasn't supposed to happen. Clay, I thought that everything to do with election software was the most secure thing we've ever seen. Am I wrong? The sarcasm force is strong with you, Padawan. I think you are wrong. <laughs> For sure. There's been so much corruption going on, and people know it. It's just we've been lied to through the media a lot. So, Sean, if this happened with the poll worker tracking software, is there any reason to believe that this could have happened with uh, the actual election results? <laughs> 
perhaps, maybe. I think we've got a couple of documentaries that help document that. The thing that strikes me or that shocks me is that anybody was actually arrested. I'm like, what? You know, that's a good point because we really wouldn't expect that to happen. We certainly have seen very little prosecutions up to this point. Not even persecution. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Okay, for our final story in the commerce segment, I want to talk about the economy, OPEC, and oil. But I need to take a minute to give a little bit of context to our audience. So I don't know if you've heard, but OPEC decided to cut production by 2 million barrels of oil per day. And the Biden administration is ticked off. Now, they're ticked off because they know what this is going to mean for the election and the price of gas. So in response, Biden decided to release 10 million barrels of, from the Strategic Oil Reserve. And now a lot of people don't realize this, but the Strategic Oil Reserve is now at its lowest level since 1984. And in the midst of all this, gas prices are rocketing. I don't know what you guys are facing, but I know up here in Michigan, gas has gone from $3.59 a gallon to $4.59 a gallon. In inside three weeks, over a dollar per gallon of gas. And a lot of people also don't realize that the United States actually uses just south of 20 million barrels of oil per day. That's what our economy uses, the, the largest in the world. But we only produce 15 million barrels a day. So because we have that deficit, we buy the rest of it for an oil. And we have approximately 450 million barrels of oil in strategic oil reserve. But based on our consumption, that means if all oil production was to stop, we have enough oil in America to last us three weeks. And while it's unlikely that that would actually stop, you can see the decline in the strategic reserve over the months and the years. In fact, we instead of having the 450 million barrels of oil, we had 638 in the last month of Trump's presidency. So here's a question I have for you guys. Obviously, this impacts our economy. Obviously, this is driving the price of gas uh, way out the roof. This has, no, this has nothing to do with uh, the recent hurricane in Florida. Do you think the reduction in our strategic oil reserve, is it by happenstance or was this intentional? Clay, what do you think? Definitely intentional. It's part of the master plan. They want to get us off of oil and onto the electric uh, car and electric system so that they can control us more. So they can actually turn off the switch if we don't obey or we don't have the right credit compliance score for, you know, like they do in China. So yeah, it's definitely a plan. It's a master plan. And and they make it look like, it. oh, we just have to do this, but we don't have to do it. It's called drilling. And they stopped all that too, most of all of it. Yeah, that's that's very, very true. I saw the, the that we have basically pulled back all of those leases. Sean, did you hear what Pete Buttigieg said just recently? It's like they're not even keeping this in secret anymore. No, I missed that part. So a lot of people didn't see it, but he actually commented on this very thing that Clay is talking about. He actually said openly that the higher price is going to drive us to electrical vehicles and a more sustainable, I love the words, more sustainable green energy. And this is a good thing. Oh, yes, I did hear that. So I do have a thought about that, Mr. Pete. We don't have the capacity. There's three things we don't have the capacity for. We don't have the capacity to meet our current energy demands demands with the electrical grid during the summer and the winter because the technology for green energy is not mature enough to make the switch. Secondly, we don't have the capacity to manufacture that many cars and trucks to replace all the ones that we are currently using and to make that switch. We don't have the capacity for commercial or private consumers to make the switch. And the third thing 
the battery technologies for these cars is also not mature enough to make the switch affordably and to be able to recharge quick enough. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I love a comment that the late Rush Limbaugh said one time. He said, until you can figure out how to fly a 747 with solar panels, fossil fuels will be the bedrock of our economy. Oh, my gosh, that's rich. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, do you know what the wingspan would have to be to make sure solar panels would have enough energy to get a 747 off the ground? Well, let's just say it would be slightly larger than what we currently have. So we're going to pivot to the politics segment. There's a ton of news stories that I want to cover when we return. Sandcastles Cottages is a family-owned property featuring nine cozy cottages just one mile from beach access to beautiful Lake Michigan. Nestled in Michigan's Great Southwest, this is the perfect short-term or long-term retreat to rejuvenate and recharge. Your Airbnb accommodations are hosted by a family who loves both God and country. They are the epitome of American small business. Check them out today at sandcastlescottages.com or call 269-769-8288 to book your stay. Again, that's sandcastlescottages.com or 269-769-8288. When you call, mention that you're a Kingdom Patriot. All right, as we dive into politics, there's a couple things that jump out at me regarding COVID-19 and the pandemic. Specifically, the first one is reports have come out that the Army is using significant coercion tactics on its own military personnel to get them to take the jab. These are for people who aren't necessarily wanting the religious exemption or are not through the religious exemption process. The Army is basically pushing them to either have to do extraordinarily difficult measures to keep their job or kicking them out of the military. That's of note, but today there's another one related to COVID-19 that I actually want to spend our time on, and that's in regarding the World Health Organization. I listened to a podcast earlier this week in which a representative of the World Health Organization was openly touting their collaboration with Google. And this is what they said. They said, used to, when you would ask about COVID-19, or not ask, when you put into Google COVID-19 and be looking for things like that, that all these sites would come up on the Google search that provided much misinformation and falsehoods and things that were not factually accurate. So the World Health Organization reached out to Google and said, we need to change that. And Google accommodated them. And the World Health Organization is very excited now that when you type in COVID-19 and you're looking for resources, that all the World Health Organization stuff comes up first. When I heard that, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Sean, why should we be worried about that? Yeah, this is creepy. It is totally creepy because, I mean, all I have to do is read scripture, book of revelations, and the stage is being set, baby. The stage is being set. Clay, I often feel like that we fight for right and wrong, but it seems like we're actually many times fighting just over truth and whether or not we can actually share that truth. Is that how you see it? Well, that, that's certainly what's going on in the last five to 10 years, especially the last couple of years. But yeah, so basically there is a global agenda. That's why we talked about the World Economic Forum. And the global agenda is really a communist mindset. And for the perfect world, if you understand anything about communism, it's the perfect world. And, but the only way to get the perfect world is you have to control everybody's thoughts and actions. So when you control, you have to control people's thoughts and actions. 
or which also relates to your speech. So that's why you see all the censoring and this thing and that thing, especially in the last year or two. Everything's been censored to get the narrative, the propaganda that they want you to hear. Because basically the media, the Google, the, everything that we use now is a way to propagandize you into an agenda of globalism or slash global communism. Clay, that was a perfect segue into our next political story, which is where the Supreme Court agrees to hear a case that challenges big tech's legal protections under Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Now, a lot of people don't understand what this is, but it actually shields those internet companies from liability for content posted by users when they make a good faith effort to deal with any illegal content and enforce platform rules. And so what that means is, is that if you have people who are posting in blogs or posting on Facebook, posting these kind of things, and they're, they're calling people to, I don't know, uh, detonate bombs or they're posting pornography, things that are absolutely illegal, then they're protected from prosecution if they go and delete that. In fact, they have a de- reason to do that from a decency perspective. Well, what's really interesting about this, if I, I heard Ted Cruz talking about this uh, earlier this week on one of his podcasts. And Ted Cruz kind of walked through the evolution of this. Well, really where this came about is that years ago, newspapers or a particular newspaper got sued because it would not put a certain op-ed in its newspaper. And somebody sued and they said, hey, you wrote this really negative story about a candidate. You should listen to the opposing side. And, the, and they sued the newspaper. And the courts ultimately found that the newspaper had a right. They had their own First Amendment right to decide what they put in their newspaper because it was based on advertising revenue and so forth. However, recently we've heard, and the reason the Supreme Court is is taking this case is because the circuit court recently ruled that the internet companies, these big tech companies are actually not like that newspaper, which I mean, the internet companies have been saying that for years, right? They're actually what's known as more, more easily identified as what's called a common carrier. And a common carrier would be like a utility company. It would be the U.S. Postal Service. And so what the internet companies are, you know, just to kind of wrap this up, but or kind of bring some clarity to this, what the internet companies are saying is, hey, we can remove any content we want because we're protected by Section 230 of the Decency Act. And what the recent lawsuit said is, uh, actually, you're not because you're not just removing content that's potentially illegal. You are now determining what truth is and it is not. And you're silencing specific groups of people with information or postings that you don't agree with. And the circuit court said, yes, that's absolutely correct. Well, that's been challenged. And now the Supreme Court is taking up that case. Sean, what do you think about this? Well, I think it's about time. And, you know, the uh, the big techies, they've been wanting to eat their cake and have it, too. You can't do that. If you're going to censor, then you're going to suffer the consequences of censorship. If you don't want to suffer the consequences of uh, censorship, then don't censor. Leave the platform be and eliminate only the things that violate the law. You can't have both. Clay, do you have any prediction on how the Supreme Court is going to rule on this case? Zero. I, you know, I'm sort of like 50-50. You know, I don't, all the climate, everything's going on. I don't know. But what I do know is that like, 
For example, there's a trend that the government and business are becoming collaborators with each other. You, you've heard this again and again with Google and, and with the COVID vaccine and all this stuff, how they promoted the military and the, the CDC. They cooperated with big business to send a narrative out. That's just a, one little example, but there's so many different examples that business basically is a third-party hand to the government, and they, they work hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, Clay, I think that's a really important point. We're not really getting into that here because there's way too much detail for me to dive into, but I know there's been tremendous amount of discussion that businesses feel like that freedom of speech that they can't violate freedom of speech because in the Constitution, it's only saying the government cannot infringe upon that. But there has been a tremendous amount of discussion that if a company is either collaboratively or coercively being influenced by the government to do the government's bidding, then in fact, it's just a de facto agent of the government. And absolutely, they are subject to the same restrictions in the Constitution in restricting or not restricting free speech. So I think there's a lot to come on this one. I'm very hopeful the Supreme Court's going to rule the right way. I don't think that's going to end the terror reign of big tech. But I do think it's going to highlight and bring to the service the things that conservatives have known for quite some time. In other political news, there's a couple of stories. One says, it was really interesting. Is this the first time that I've heard this? That it said that the that based on a recent poll, the Democrats are unlikely to win the Senate, not the House. We're not talking about the House. We're talking about the Senate, which everyone has been saying the Democrats are likely to hold or even pick up a seat in the Senate. Yet this recent story said, based on the trends of the polls, the Dems are unlikely to hold on to the Senate. And then the second one also shows that despite all the media attention, despite all the campaign money, that Charlie Crist is getting crushed in Florida against Ron DeSantis. Now, I know these are only two particular stories, but Sean, if you're a progressive liberal, are you worried? When it comes to polls, especially in the last three weeks before an election, your forecasting has been a little floppy. So does that mean then as a liberal, you're still confident despite these polls saying that uh, the Republicans are stepping up to what looks like a big win? The ones that believe their own spin. Yeah, they're I mean, they drink the Kool-Aid. They drink it every day. They're going to be confident and they're going to shoot their mouth off at every opportunity. But the ones who are actually trying to think are scared spitless. For sure. So we cannot do a political segment, by the way, without having at some point bringing Kamala Harris and one of her, either her word salads or incomprehensible thought process into the conversation. And we've got another one. I don't know if you guys saw, Clay, I really want to get your comments on this, that Kamala said that after Hurricane Ian, we should distribute the, the funds to, to help out those folks in Florida purely on race. Did you hear her say that? <laughs> I didn't hear. I heard some comment about that, but that's just, um, well, I would say amazing, but then I'm, I'm kind of not amazed anymore. I'm just numbed. You know, I mean, my goodness, you know, somebody who doesn't have food or water, you know, if, if you're white, you certainly can go a lot longer than you could if you were black, I guess. Yeah, that is a fantastic point. It's funny how that's sarcasm, by the way. Yeah, no kidding. I, I caught that. It, it is quite funny that when it comes to survival, there's just really not a whole lot of different differences in, in biology there. I'm kind of like you. Every time I think I can't be surprised again, the bar just keeps being set lower. I, I just can't believe. And, and in my opinion, Clay, I don't know, would you agree with this, that actually saying that 
is actually not helping race. It's actually a racist comment in of itself. Oh, most definitely. That just shows you her colors. And and she's trying to pander to the base, actually, in Florida, probably the Hispanic Cuban base. That's probably what she was trying to do. Disgusting. Very, very good point. Speaking of racial news or, or racial equity being in the news, the vice chair of the Treasury Department's newly formed Racial Equity Committee has openly stated she wants to defund the police and put racial justice at the center of all government policymaking. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, is it the Treasury Department? Is it their job to make sure that they manage the finances of our country? And in managing those finances, shouldn't we be putting people in position solely based on their expert qualifications? Am I, am I wrong, Sean? No, you're not wrong. We're supposed to be putting people into those positions to do very specific jobs and not introduce some crazy extra agenda items for them to take care of. This is why the swamp is getting worse. This is why we've got to vote all Democratic leaders into the unemployment line. Well said. Clay, there was also another story. And I just, when I think about all this stuff being done behind the scenes where we don't have much visibility to it, speaking of visibility, there is another story that talks about that very thing. And that is apparently through the Freedom of Information Act, uh, a group wanted to know who in the world is visiting Biden at his home in Delaware. And guess what the Secret Service responded with? We have no records of anyone. Does that sound a little nefarious to you? <laughs> Secret Service job is to protect the president at all costs. Need I say more? I wonder where these logs are. They're supposed to keep logs of every single person that, that the president visits with. They're at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. <laughs> the records are at Mar-a-Lago, Sean? The records are at Mar-a-Lago because, you know, Trump is all powerful. So when Biden and the Secret Service weren't looking, he jumped into the front of the limo, took off for Delaware, and he absconded uh, with the logs and he took them back to Mar-a-Lago. Wow. That was actually funny. Hey, I wonder if the FBI's inventory shows that Hillary's server was found there. Just saying. You're listening to The Grid, a podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. You can find us on the web at kingdompatriot.us. Join us in the fight for faith and freedom, Mondays, on your favorite podcast platform. In a couple other stories that we see through the courts, DACA was dealt kind of a serious blow. And that's DACA is that, that whole idea that dreamers who came into the country, that, you know, children who come into the country with their parents illegally, that we're not going to deport the children. Well, guess what? The Fifth Circuit says the Obama administration illegally implemented this. Does that shock you, Sean? Oh, my gosh. Seriously? That's two in a row. Somebody actually got hauled off to jail. And so and oh, my gosh. Yes, I'm shocked. That's funny. Well, while the Supreme Court, in essence, didn't say that the 600,000 illegals are going to be deported that are currently in that category, they did say that there's no more new applicants until it's reviewed again by the Texas Circuit Court. What's interesting about this to me is that this is another example of going all the way back to the Obama administration when what did Obama say? If he couldn't get legislation done, he was going to use what? A pen. And his phone. And this is an example where he took matters in his own hands and it has taken a while, but the court basically said you did that illegally. Actually, there's specific languages. You do not have the authority to do this. And other Supreme Court news, 
Clay, there were two that came out um, regarding gun laws. So number one, the Supreme Court vacated a controversial Massachusetts gun control law. And I'm not going to talk about that one as much as I want to talk about the New York one because a federal judge temporarily blocked a New York gun law. Now, the reason that was important is because back in June, we reported that the New York gun law, the restrictive carry law, was actually struck down. And Clarence Thomas wrote a pretty scathing opinion on that particular case. In fact, the thing that I remember most about it, I thought it was brilliant, was he said that that um, according to that gun law, a person had to give probable cause of why they needed to have a gun to carry around. And Clarence Thomas said, no, that's not how the, the, the Bill of Rights is written. That's not how the Second Amendment is written. The person does not have to prove why they should be able to exercise their Second Amendment right. It's the state of New York had to prove why they should not be able to exercise that right. Huge, huge difference and distinction in how to look at that. So as anticipated, New York went back and they tweaked the law. So they removed this proper cause standard. And this was what they put in place of it. So New York said, instead of using proper cause to say why you should have that, you now have to demonstrate good moral character. And to do that, you have to provide a list of your current and past social media accounts, the names and contact information of family members, cohabitants, and at least four character references in order to complete the license application or renewal process. You have to do 18 hours of in-person training, and I believe as well as two hours of live fire firearm training also in order to be able to carry in New York. And a federal judge said, "Ah, yeah, I don't think so. Looks like this one is headed back to the Supreme Court as well. Can you believe this, Clay, that New York has these kinds of restrictions? Nope. Global communism brought to a neighborhood near you. You know, that's actually very, very true. It certainly it certainly sounds like that. We've got to misinform the public. We've got to restrict their speech. And then we've got to unarm them. Do you all see these themes and these political stories that we've, as we've touched them? Yes. So the last story, I'm not really, I'm just going to make the comment. We don't, or I'm just going to share it. We don't need to necessarily have a comment on it, but well, maybe I will. And that is, it looks like a decision on whether or not to indict Hunter Biden is imminent. Apparently the FBI has overwhelming evidence that he could be indicted for lying to authorities and all kinds of tax problems. But Sean, I thought this was Russian disinformation. Uh, if you're listening to the truth that we've been listening to for the past three years, then you've been knowing about this. We know more about the evidence than they seem to. I'm glad that they are finally acknowledging that there's evidence. That's a relief. But my hope is that they don't do what Comey did and stand up, list off all of the evidence and say, yeah, but there's not really enough here for us to prosecute. So we're giving him a pass. Good point. Well, folks, I'm really excited to dive into the faith segment when we return. I would tell you about the Kingdom Patriot podcast, but you're already listening to The Grid as we speak. So instead, I ask you, are you sharing The Grid with your family, friends, and neighbors? Well, you should be. Otherwise, how do we grow our audience? Well, we do it by fine folks like you sharing The Grid on your social media, in your email, or in that ancient mode of communication known as face-to-face conversations. Remember to click that little like button on your podcast platform and make sure you are following us. Also, don't forget to go to kingdompatriot.us and put your name on our email subscriber list. So when I think about the news stories, guys, that really, to me, hit at the heart of some of the faith conversations that we have, there's a couple that just grieve me. The first one is uh, Scooby-Doo. 
I used to watch Scooby-Doo all the time. I'm sorry. In fact, I try to copy it all the time. I go around to my kids saying, I'm Rory Ruggy. <laughs> I just like doing that. I like Scooby-Doo. And yet we find out yesterday that Velma in the newly released Scooby-Doo film is now a lesbian. What? No way. I did not know that. That is correct. Sean, how do you feel about that? I feel I'd have to do some major editing. This is ridiculous. I mean, this is beyond ridiculous. Do we do we talk about... Yeah, it's just ridiculous. So what this story and the next one I'm about to share with you have in common to me is that when we hear about an Isaiah, they will call what is evil good and what is good evil. This is being celebrated. And I just listened to a, a podcast this week talking about Bill Eigner's movie, The Bros. I didn't even know about The Bros. It's an LGBTQ movie, but it sounds like it's a, a political statement. And it is absolutely bombed at the box office. I mean, when I say bombed, it's so bad that apparently Bill Eichner is going out and is saying on media now, national media, if you don't go see this movie, you are a racist and a bigot in of itself for not promoting it. Do you remember we talked about words are violence, silence is violence? And it's not enough to just be silent. You actually have to support and promote the agenda. That's what he's saying. And so when I hear about movies like this, when I hear what they're doing with Scooby-Doo, that, that's the scripture that comes in my mind, is that in the last days, this is what it's going to look at. It's completely flipped on what it should be. Any comments? guess that puts a whole new spin on things coming out of the closet in Scooby-Doo. The skeletons in the closet, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the guy's name? I, I Eichner. So he is on record before the film came out telling folks that were homophobic and something else that they didn't need to go see it because they weren't going to like it. Now he's upset because people that he calls homophobic who are not actually afraid of homosexuals, they didn't go see it. I mean, he told them not to go see it and he had a good reason for them to not go see it. They weren't going to like it. So guess what? Even though there's a significant portion of the U.S. that will vote that they're okay with the alternative lifestyle, that doesn't mean they're going to spend money on it. I think that's a fantastic point, Sean. And I think, I think we sometimes overestimate the amount of uh, the portion of the country that I won't say just tolerates sort of the, the movement in LGBTQ, but actually is involved in it or supports it. I don't think it's as great as the media has led us to believe. I think traditional values are still strong in much of the country. I do too. What happens is conservatives and a lot of believers tend to be quiet when this stuff comes up. Our buddy over at Red Balloon, Andrew Krapichat, said you know, he was interviewing somebody and it turns out at their company, there were three liberals that basically had the voice and they were basically running the show because they were the only ones willing to talk. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Clay, go ahead. Oh, I was going to just kind of add to what Sean said that I read something yesterday. I don't have it in front of me, but it basically it was statistics. Basically what we perceive in America as, for example, like how many people we perceive percentage-wise are gay or how many people we perceive uh, percentage-wise are for abortion or, you know, basically it's a lot higher. 
for I don't know the exact numbers, but say for example, like like people think there's like thirteen percent or twenty percent people gay in America, but really it's only like one percent. I mean, actually gay. I don't know the exact uh, numbers, but that's an example. I was reading a whole bunch of lists of things like that. It was very interesting. I would try to look that up again. But anyway, yeah, it's so true that we're brainwashed in the media to think these things are way more popular and important than they are to us as citizens. So along those lines and the theme of what I would just call some of this wicked agenda, I'm not speaking out against an individual. I'm just talking about just this movement, this sexuality agenda. There was a very surprising letter this week that was written to the Department of Justice. And Clay, you will recognize this because you and I both work in the healthcare field, and it was written from the American Medical Association, the premier body in healthcare delivery in the United States. And they wrote a letter to the DOJ asking them to silence and prosecute those who speak out against hospitals that are providing gender-affirming care, especially to underage kids. Were you aware of that? I was not. I did not know about that. Once again, this agenda is seeking to silence. And I could go on and on and on about this, but it is really the Henry Ford approach to politics. You can have any opinion you want so long as it's ours. And if it's not, we will destroy you. So speaking of this, again, kind of the same thing. In Virginia, uh, I believe it's called the Pride Liberation Project. I'm not 100% sure on the name of it, but I know that this group, I think it was called the Pride Liberation Project, orchestrated a thousand student walkout over the transgender policy in Virginia. And why this is important is because before Yunkin was elected governor, because you remember Terry McAuliffe was like, parents should not have any say in their children's education and curriculum. And Yunkin was like, uh, yeah, they should. And so he got elected pretty easily. Well, the transgender policy was if your kid wants to come out as a transgender or make a transition in school, then you were not allowed to contact the parents. It was done completely in secret and the school would support that. What he did is he created uh, a policy, and I, get, I don't know if it was through the legislature or policy or, what, or, or how, exactly how it was done, but that's no longer the case. Now, it doesn't say the school will stop it. It just says the school has to notify the parents. And so this group is freaking out, and they orchestrated this 1,000-student walkout. Why this is important, this same group has also started creating funding arms and, I would say, sub-organizations to help kids run away from parents if their parents don't want them to become transgender, to find, I think they call it queer-friendly foster homes for them, that it might be a home that has like one male or two males who are queer that, that can house these kids during a transition to a father. They're basically openly saying, we're going to help these kids find ways to get away from their parents, and we're going to provide the funding and the resources and the mechanisms to do this. Any thoughts on that? Well, I do as a parent. I mean, like, that's just insane. I mean, think of the bigger picture. First of all, kids have to have parental notification and approval for everything in school. I mean, that just is the way it is. You know, like you go to a school bus trip, you got to get approval. You got to, you know, you read a book, you got to get approval. We have to get approvals to read books from the parent. Then to say you don't have to have approval for something like this, that's just insane. Well, and even, even to, to add to that, it, it, there's what I would call a, um, a contradictory uh, in thinking, contradictory process in thinking. If, if America was so in support of this agenda, as we are told through the media, 
why would you ever need to ban parents from actually knowing that's occurring? Wouldn't parents overwhelmingly support it if America overwhelmingly was in favor of this agenda? That doesn't make sense to me. On one hand, everybody's for it. On the other hand, we got to keep it as secret as possible. Right, exactly. The simple fact that they are operating under this strategy reinforces the fact that it's crap. Absolutely. So I have one last story before we close the face segment, and it's this. I think it was uh, just yesterday, a 32-year-old man was booked and charged with two counts of murder and six counts of attempted murder because he went on a stabbing spree on the Las Vegas Strip. It occurred at 1142 in the morning, completely in broad daylight. Now, dang it, if we had only had all these gun control laws in place, this guy would have been stopped for sure. Right, Sean? (laughs) Of course. Of course. Because it was the gun's fault. Oh, wait a minute. You said stabbing. I did. Now, what I don't know is it could have been a bayonet. Yeah, they they didn't give you that detail. Well, one way to solve that problem is to ban all knives. You know, that's true. I have heard this actually might benefit me, but I have heard that if we were to ban all spoons, it would cure uh, the obesity problem in the United States. Well, I'm going to say fork because I'm fat. Okay, you say fork. So, you know, I want to close this segment with this. Some of you may be saying, well, are those really faith based stories that you're talking about? And the answer is yes. And here is why. The audience may remember that several months ago, we did a podcast on lawlessness and how we could just see this in our society. I was shocked to read a story, the title of the news story on Fox News today, that said this, lawlessness in America, top of mind for voters as murders rise. And I went, that's that's exactly it. These things that I just listed in this face segment are an example of that lawlessness. So I want to read to everyone 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and it says this, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And after listening to these news stories, does it seem like that spirit of lawlessness has absolutely been unleashed? What comments do you guys have to that? Well, I feel like we have been watching the institutionalization of lawlessness for the past couple of years. Now, let me take that back. I feel like we've been witnessing the institutionalization of lawlessness since Biden stepped into office because they are seeking to legalize everything that's sin and go after everybody that's standing up for righteousness. Clay, do you have any closing comments on that? We just need to pray for God to give us wisdom and insight and knowledge to recognize these things and courage and boldness to stand up for the truth in our little world, you know, wherever that is. The areas where we have influence. Yes. You know, one thing also, as I was writing that scripture out, the one thing that did come to my mind, I am just so grateful. I am so grateful that greater is he that is in me than he 
who is in the world because we do see him unleashed. But I think what we're seeing is the frenetic last gasp because he knows that his time draws near. That's all we have for this podcast. As you can see, the newswire has been rich with stories that are absolutely relevant to what's going on today. Clay, any closing thoughts? Nope. Go with God. Be full of joy. Sean? I don't want to say it's eye-opening. It is sort of eye-opening because you brought up stuff that I, whoa, how did I miss that? And folks, Jesus, Jesus, turn to him. Please don't delay. Amen. Clay, Sean, thank you so much for joining me today on The Grid. It's been a pure joy. Pleasure. Good stuff. Be sure to continue to tune into The Grid. Coming soon, we will be talking about all this lawlessness that we've seen and how it relates to the end times. And next week, we celebrate one year on the air. Till next time. Thanks again to our sponsor, Sandcastles Cottages. Visit sandcastlescottages.com or call 269-769-8288 to book your stay for short-term or long-term retreats. Also, don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. Music